garden party. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Conversations with Alaskan Gardeners back on the air with you and Margaret Tharp and David Lindrum and uh, Landscape Alaska. It's a call-in show, 586-1800. We'll get you on the air. And you can ask us questions. You can share stories. You can talk about innovative things you've seen. You can invite us to a garden party. You can do any of that kind of stuff. In any case, we're uh, looking forward to having some some interesting stories and inviting you all up to Landscape Alaska today. This is the 6th of June. We're well into the beginning of the month, and we have some really nice specials available today at Landscape Alaska, and we'll talk more about that soon. So, uh... We're going to have a special today on uh, peonies. We have a special kind of peony that is that is uh, uh, a single flower. It doesn't have any big ruffled centers in it, so it's the perfect thing for having out when the rain is falling. And uh, it's, it's not going to blow up. That's what the big advantage is. It's not going to blow up when the rain beats on it. So oh, blow just, up, you mean it's not going to loop? Absorb so much water that yeah. the petals fall off. Right? Yes, exactly right. And you know the big, the big elaborate peonies are beautiful, but when the rains come, like it has been this summer, they're just going to turn into mold balls. They need to be under an eave. That's right. And uh, and if you don't have it like that, what are you going to do? So what you can do is you can plant these other kinds of peonies. You can pick them and bring them inside the house, which is what <laughs> I would do. Of course you do. Instead of leaving it out in the garden, All because right. they do develop as a cut flower very well. Okay. There's that. And I have these other ones for sale today. Okay, so uh, if you've looked around at the rhododendrons this spring... You see that they really got hammered, both by winter damage and by last summer's long, wet spring rains. Wet springs, midsummer, just drowned. Just drowned. And also, July. and they got rhododendron rust, and they got uh, f- root disease. But really, the only thing we can do anything about is the root weevils. And rhododendron root weevils, quite a, quite a pest around here. And if your rhododendron leaf edges look like they've been punched by a ticket collector, that's an indication that you have this pest in your yard. And it's a big black beetle that crawls up on the plant during, during the middle of the night and eats chunks out of the edge of the leaves. That's just the indicator. The real worry is that the, the babies are down in the ground eating the root system. So we don't like to spray the kinds of poisons that are going to take to... And it doesn't kill them anyway. All that spray stuff is for the birds. You know? Nematodes. Nematodes. You need... need, It's like having the ravens pick at the grubs under the moss, you know? It's like it's a natural thing that takes care of the business. So we have found a way to handle this. And worldwide, this is the, the new... An accepted and progressive way to do it is attack attack one kind of beast with another kind of beast. Right, that already occurs here in our environment. It does. It's a naturally occurring one, but it's just not thick enough. It's just not thick enough because it's out in the forest and these are in garden beds. And the nematodes come as a, a product and they come this time of year. We have a, an application window of about uh, two months. So now that the soil temperatures are getting up to the operating level, 
Uh, we've ordered our first shipment of the nematodes to come, and they'll be here in about 10 days. And if you are interested in this and you know about them, go ahead and get in touch with us and get on our list. You can do so by by uh, email, landscapealaska at gmail, or you can call us up or you can walk in the store and say, hi, I want some. As long as you're there on a Friday, Saturday, or a Sunday. Well, that's the only time <laughs> I'm there. That's right. <laughs> so um, it's a call-in show. I'm sure people have lots of questions about gardening and all kinds of events out in their yard and their landscape. And moss in their lawns. And you can call 586-1800. And get on the air. So this Talk last, to us. This last two weeks, Margaret has been applying moss out to lawns that she takes care of. And the amount of moss in the grass is phenomenal absolutely phenomenal but I haven't been able to get a thatcher on it because the ground's so wet the thatcher's so heavy that it's going to make big ruts and so there's this uh, catch 22 about my life that's like okay you get started to do the work and then you have to wait trying not to tap your foot going when do I get to get on there well this next week is going to be thatching week yes it looks like good weather for thatching and because you have to let your with how much rain we had this week, you have to let it dry out some, or you just, you know, the machines weigh a couple hundred pounds. They just make big ruts, and then you're really in it. And when you're standing in the lawn, and the moss is squishing around your feet, and the water's a halfway up the size of your shoes. How would you know? You're not there. I went and visited. <laughs> I, took a, I took a field trip yesterday out to the landscape. Yeah. The other thing is, this is our summer. This is what summer is going to be like this year i'm sorry but just be happy when it's not raining a lot and keep on top of your lawn don't wait for a sunny day mow your lawn every four days whether it's raining or not so you don't have to worry about getting on it when it gets too tall to mow so maybe not it, every four it, days take it every for don't listen to him I take care of the lawns every four <laughs> days because that way you're barely cutting anything and you don't have to worry about whether it's wet or not. So that's my advice. Okay. So and it's raining every day. All right. You can't wait for a sunny day. All right, all right, all right, all right. That's right. You're right. Absolutely right. 100%. You're always right. And mow that lawn. And mow that lawn. And, and fertilize feed, that and lawn. And feed that lawn. Right. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, Miss Kim Lilacs are starting to set their buds. Have you noticed that? Yeah, they look Even really the pretty. ones downtown at the uh, Gold Belt building, I stopped yesterday and looked at them, and there's new buds forming all over the top of them. The ones that we have in the nursery are all budding up, too. They like this fall. They like it like this. This is really when it perfect was, weather When it was for last winter, when it was really cold. Yeah. Lilacs like the cold. They're booming, just absolutely booming. And I have, uh, I have a couple sizes of Miss Kim Lilacs on sale today. So if you want to come up and look at them, I'll show them to you. We have ones that are, are about three feet tall and ones that are about a foot and a half tall. So if you want to make a, a long line of them, use the little ones. If you want to have a couple specimens in your yard, use the bigger ones. And remember that when the fall comes, they turn the darkest, darkest burgundy color you can imagine. Yeah, they're the, really pretty in the really landscape. They really stand out in the landscape against the other greens. And orange and yellow and all the other colors in the fall. Mm-hmm. Well, I was at Tyler Rental this week and uh, picking up some tools. 
And it's always a delight to be able to go and have somebody that knows what they're talking about. I love being able to call them up. Okay, I got to have this. I'm going to come by and get it. Right. And (laughs) and there it is, ready to start. And they walk out to your car and put it in your car for you and give you a big high. So the, the tool supply is deep. It's all kinds of things. And they focus on the kinds of ones that, that uh, are reliable and appropriate for our climate. And you'll see all kinds of contractors there getting the larger equipment too. But for homeowners like ourselves and people that work in the domestic landscape, those lightweight steel tools are perfect. The little chainsaws, the little hedge trimmers, the weed eaters, and uh, all those tools are just delights to use. So stop by Tyler Rental and see their equipment and uh, enjoy the the wonderful hospitality they offer. So we're going to be doing a couple of other kinds of landscape projects this next couple of weeks. And some of them have to do with uh, raising the levels of lawns and being able to make things less bumpy. And some of them have to do with being able to, to transplant shrubbery, be able to carry them and uh, put them into people's yards, and some are pretty good-sized things. You know, the thing about the landscape is it's always fascinating. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. (laughs) And you'd like to think the world is an orderly place where everything behaves itself and you're not going to be finding some unusual scenario. But unusual scenarios happen all the time. Holes arrive in lawns. Things rotting underneath that you don't even know are there cause big sinkholes in people's lawns. And then you have to go in there and fill that swale or that hole or whatever and still have the water move across the surface so it doesn't pool up. Well, that's, you know, grading and drainage is a big part of having a working landscape. And I'm always amazed when people say, oh, and this year I have these holes in my yard and what am I going to do about this? And, you know, do you have a solution? I said, well, nothing's ever easy, but sure, we'll come up with with something. And that's where making that soil with the sweepings and having it be firm rather than deep sand, which gets squishy, and you're able to roll it and make it be dense and then put nice soil on top of that really does work out pretty well. And one thing about the amount of rain we've had in the last two weeks Things show up that you didn't mm-hmm. expect, that you didn't imagine, and you thought would never happen. Well, it's eroding away. Well, there's that, and there's also things like, like I talked to a friend of mine yesterday, and he said that he's lived in his house 20 years, and there's never been water in the ditch in front of his house, and it's bank deep now. It's absolutely full. So the, Where's that, his house? I can't tell you. I've been there, but I can't remember where it is. But I, no matter where... I'm sure it's like that all over town. Look at the channel. It was brown yesterday from all the runoff, from all the water rolling off the mountainsides. Yep. I mean, it's amazing. And people who aren't paying attention, you're missing out. There's a big show going on out there. Yeah. And at the same time, so there's that. Is that it's coming and it's raining and it's all this this stuff is happening at the same time the wild world is exploding into growth and the leaves pouring out of the stems you know it was two weeks ago you could have all these views that were expansive and you could see through the landscape into other places and now it's gone now the view is right up close 
it's of alder leaves and cottonwood leaves and and uh, Japanese, leaves Japanese Japanese maple leaves. Well, then Japanese maple leaves is true. You know, if, uh, if and you're, birds, lots of birds. If you're on our email list, you'll have gotten a picture today of the Japanese maples in our yard that are just spectacular. We have some incredible trees, and. Um, the large trees sustained some damage from where the ice built up in the middle of them, but they'll come out of it. I mean, those branches are probably dead, but they'll sprout new ones. New branches will grow, and we'll, we'll arrange to have other ones covered up. That's part of the uh, There's the a lot of ice this winter. Oh, yeah, and that's part of the joy of having those kind of, of plants, you know, is uh, helping them recover and being able to redirect the energy and, and manage it as part of your, your daily activity. Yeah. It's fun. Well, I like it, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm crazy about it. So Landscape Alaska will be open today and tomorrow. And soon, with new people coming on board, we'll be open during the week. But right now we're open Saturday and Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So today from 10 o'clock to 4 and tomorrow from noon to 4. And we'd love for you to come to the back loop road up at uh, 11029 between Goat Hill Road and Spring Way. People still have trouble finding us. We don't have a big sign by the road. We've got a little sign. Mm-hmm. And, you, and if you can see the uh, website, you'll be able to see a picture of our driveway. So, and uh, we have we have uh, lovely and, and capable Beth there this morning. And she'll be able to help you until I get there. So, a uh, lot of birds. We yeah. have so many birds. The birds start, the owls start about one o'clock. Between 1 and one thirty, And there's a cacophony. It's like they've multiplied. <laughs> and, you know, just walking around in the nursery yesterday, there were birds zipping by my head and they're, zipping around everywhere. They're, they're, they are flying. Some of them, there's these little black birds, little, that are flying so fast I can't identify them. You know, they're like a bullet. Fast. Faster than a hummingbird. Faster than a hawk. Faster than a speed of light. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I don't know what they are either, but I, I sure enjoy seeing them come jumping up around me and flying around so fast. Absolutely. So uh, it's time to move on into the uh, perennial and shrubbery world, and the the tor spireas are coming into leaf now, and well, the buds are forming up on them, and they're going to be just the the absolute performers. Some of my very favorite perennials for this time of year are the Roseanne geranium, the uh, Monarda, which we don't have this year, but are keep, keep trying to get, and uh, the phlox, the perennial phlox mm-hmm. is fabulous, Flame. and it starts blooming at the end of June and blooms all the way until the end of October. And these perennials that I'm speaking of, whether you're able to have them or not, um, are really good at putting up with all the rain. We got a lot of the flocks. Five colors of phlox. Yeah, no, we got and four phlox colors is, of Veronica. And a, a stilby. A stilby is really great. And if you can get lilies, lilies are wonderful. So those are some varieties that, even though there's many, many types of perennials, I like the ones that I put them in the ground and they take care of themselves. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the perfect kind, isn't it? And they don't mind if it's rainy, they don't mind if it's wet, they don't mind if it's cold. Well, you know, it's like the shoemaker's kids go barefoot and the landscape architect's garden grows due to neglect and that's kind of where mine my stuff is at so mm-hmm. that's why i can say these are the ones 
Well, if you look around, back to the rhododendrons I was talking about earlier and the damage that they sustained over the last couple of years. It's really heartbreaking. And then we see the kind that are planted in front of the Wells Fargo in the valley. You know, those dwarf Yakusamena hybrids that showed no indication of damage whatsoever. Uh, only branches broken off by the snow plow that ran into them. But well, there that. is that. There's nothing you can do about <laughs> that. But what that means to me is that those varieties are more resistant to the kinds of, of uh, diseases and insects that we encounter here. They really are, David. And they're coming into bloom right now. And... Uh, down at the Park Shore, they have a large selection of rhododendron of all sorts. But the dwarf rhododendrons that have been planted there, the same thing. Didn't miss a beat, didn't get the rust, you know? And uh, they can still get bitten by the beetle, but, but uh, overall, really resilient and heavily budded. Heavily budded. And these are, when we saw, say dwarf plants, that means something that is, it's got a full-size flower on it and full-size leaves, but they don't get to be huge plants. In 15 years, they get to be four feet tall and four feet wide. At the most. I'm just saying, Mm -hmm. thinking about the ones we've planted that in about 15 years got that big. And at that, the most, at, right? At the most, uh, and most some of them are some of them are much smaller than that. Much smaller, and the Yakuza Mena hybrids—they're they're quite a bit smaller than that, and they look so cool when you look at them. They just look like they're they're uh, little bodybuilders, muscular little bodybuilders. Yeah, well, I think about that garden we planted for the Reifensteins that had the dwarf Yakuza Menas mm-hmm. and the flowering the flowering crab apples. Crab apples, yeah. And they in fifteen years they got to be about that big. What a great combination that is. Yeah. It's really, really nice. Well, anyway, everybody must be excited out there because nobody's calling us. 586-1800. <laughs> okay. So uh, we've got some uh, low temperature release fertilizers in. The ones that we've been using for the last 10 years that we buy from the Canadians that come as little tea bags. And you just set the tea bags in the ground every year. It's a year's worth of fertilizer in a little tea bag. And you take and your shovel and poke a hole in the ground and drop them in. Yeah, about three inches, four inches. And, every, and, you know, doing it once a year is perfect for these guys. And depending on the size of your plants, you is decided how many tea bags you need. And we have also from the same guys, we have organic vegetable fertilizers. And this is, again, designed for cold, wet climates where it's uh, mineral-poor soils. I think that's us. I do think that's <laughs> us. That's right. And so uh, these are, are uh, affordable and convenient ways to fertilize that works well in our climate. And that's one of the reasons why the stuff that we install is able to maintain itself so well and look so vigorous years years later is that uh, the continued application once a year of these little tea bags works really really well so you know Connor went to Wrangell last week and he said he was just shocked by how much warmer it was not being exposed to the glacier like we are here and that it was like being in the tropics in, in comparison to what the tri- temperature was like in Juneau and well, that the gardens were absolutely beautiful, even though it was raining just as much there as it was here. Mm-hmm. Well, Wrangell's kind of famous for that. Wrangell's famous for having lovely gardens and for having garden uh, garden enthusiasts, you know. Here we go. Phone. Oh, good morning. Conversations. 
I last year I bought one of those little uh, main blueberry ground cover bushes. Uh huh. Or I bought two and one didn't make it, but um, this one's not doing too well. It started out really healthy looking this spring, but um, now it's kind of gotten mangy looking. And so, is there anything I can do about that? Sure, let's give it some fertilizer and uh, stop by. I'll give you a couple of those fertilizer packages I just spoke about. And does it look like, did it come into bloom and now the blooms are faded? It hasn't had any blooms, no. Uh, the ones that I have came into bloom early, and the blooms are now faded, and they look a little ratty. We were just taking the spent blossoms off them. So maybe when you come by, I'll show you what mine look like, and you can describe what yours look like. And, okay. and you know, send me a photo. Use my, uh, okay. use my email address and send me a photo of it. Because okay. h- historically, those are a fabulous plant. Really and truly, uh, I've planted them for years, and they make a beautiful ground cover and get denser in height as they get older. So maybe it just needs a little love. It was a really long winter, and uh, give it a little bit of a boost, and it'll just come on for you because they're tough. Okay, good. Well, that's encouraging. Um, I have one more question. Great. Um, I have a, I think it's a dwarf rhododendron. It's it's planted right next to a, a small spruce tree. Is that a bad idea since you talked about the rust sort of interchange between the two plants? You know, there's so much spruce around here that it doesn't matter whether you have it planted next to it or within sight of it. it the, the rust funguses are in the air. The only thing there is oh. about planting them underneath the spruce trees, really, is that the spruce is such a voracious competitor. You know, it's it, you'd really need to make sure you can water your rhododendrons if you have them planted under there, because the spruce trees will just suck up every bit of moisture there is. You know, it's it's. I'll tell you the rest of it on the air, okay? Okay, thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for calling. So uh, it is surprising when you dig down. How dry the ground is. Uh, yeah, you know you. It's wet on the surface. It's and it's wet for uh, four or five inches, and then below that, it ain't so wet. You know, uh, talking. What else were you going to say? Anything? Oh, oh you mean the need to water your rhododendron right. when you have it next to anything big like well, that? Exactly. You have to make sure to... Because when you plant something, its entire root system is contained in that little ball of dirt. Mm-hmm. You know, And it's not going to absorb water from the surrounding soil until its roots grow out into that surrounding soil. So you have to make sure that when you plant them, you put a watering basin around it and you water them religiously for your first year anyway. Well, you know... And even if it's if it's not thriving, you would want to water it for, forever, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And so uh, it's all about location, location, location. Not just in terms of retail sales, but in terms of oh, how things thrive and, mm-hmm. and what kind of soil they're in. Um, and rhododendron's you know, an amazingly tough family. Yeah, they grow all over, different elevations. We have native rhododendron here. People are always surprised to hear that. But if you drive Creeping up... along in the bogs, up, upland bogs. There's that kind, and also right there along the road in Montana Creek. Mm-hmm. Right along the road. It's in bloom. You know, it'll be in bloom sometime in the middle or end of June this year. Isn't the Labrador tea related to the rhododendron Labrador, Yep, Labrador family? tea is a rhododendron, a member of the rhododendron family. And it's but, in bloom now. Is it? Mm-hmm. Well, in the remnants of the landscapes that I work in, it's in bloom. It doesn't look very good. It's, most of it's lost its leaves due to the winter 
severity, but uh, I water it, and the leaves, the flowers are coming on. Well, that's what's important to the plant. And it really looks like a rhododendron. It does, doesn't it? Uh Uh-huh. Yep. And you look at it and you wonder, how did I not recognize that you are a rhododendron? (laughs) How did you know that, Dave? Well, it's just a surprise. And and the same thing is true when I look at those rhododendrons that are along the road in Montana Creek. How did I not realize that that was a rhododendron? Good morning, Conversations. Good morning. I have an off-topic question, but I've noticed over the years that the spruce cones, even though they've been down on the ground for years, will open and close with the rain. And a similar phenomena happens with the straw flowers. For I've seen it for a couple of years where they'll kind of open and close with the daylight. What uh, is this a chemical reaction? What does this? Uh, what causes this? Uh, I'll listen to you off the air. Okay. All oh, right, I, thank I, you. you thank you. All I can think about is it has to do with the moisture in the air. You know, as the cone absorbs moisture, it's going to open up. Or maybe the reverse. As it dries out, it's going to open up. And as it absorbs moisture, it's going to close up. Can't tell you, though. Beyond my ken. But the 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 seeds that are in the cones get dis- dispersed. They're gone. They're gone. Yeah. So it's just that... They're gone before it, it leaves it's the It's like tree. having a louver. Now it's open, now it's closed, now right. it's open, now it's closed. Right. And uh, the only way that the seeds are in the cones when they go down the ground is if the squirrels cut them off. The squirrels. Mm-hmm. The squirrels. Our squirrel is so busy all the time gathering all that stuff. Well, you know, make hay, make hay while the sun shines. That's right. Okay, so uh, we have some really, really interesting plants that we've been trialing for the last few years, and one of them is a an evergreen, kind of like a juniper that comes from Siberia. The microbiota. Microbiota. Boy, is that beautiful. It and really so is. will that grow like a ground cover? I thought yes. it grew more like... Uh, an arborvitae, because there's ver- there are vertical types, but this one looks because you see them in the landscapes down south. They're rusty in the winter time, and they get, turn green in the springtime. They change color. That's a different species. That's not microbiota. Oh, Micro- microbiota grows like that. It grows low and spready as a ground cover. As a ground cover. Boy, that is beautiful. And the color on it right now is just spectacular and tough. Yeah, man, those were tough, and they were so brown when we took them out in the winter time and got them out of the greenhouse when we started opening, and they. they t- and that's what they do. They take that color in the winter time, and you look at it, and you think, oh, another failure. You didn't make it, and then now, boy, the, so pretty. The vibrancy of that green is spectacular. Yeah. And also the texture. They're soft to the touch. They're very pretty. Mm-hmm. I think we ought to plant some in decorative pots because they'd be pretty in a decorative pot. As a ground cover underneath something else, they'd uh-huh. be beautiful, wouldn't they? Uh-huh. Hanging. Yes. Oh, hanging. Uh-huh. Really, really pretty. As if they were hanging ferns. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a great idea, Mark. Okay. I come up with a few every once in a while. Okay. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll put up a couple of those and see how they do. I don't know what they're going to do through the wintertime. Would you think you could have them hang up over the winter? Oh, they hung in the greenhouse with no heat. <laughs> uh-huh, that's true. Protect them from the wind, and I think they'll just be fine. Sounds perfect. So uh, it's coming to the end of our show. And come and see David. I'll be out taking care of lawns. And... Remember to keep mowing your lawn. Don't wait for the sunny days. You'll get in trouble. Oh, and come and look at the last couple Percy Weissman rhododendrons that I have. They're beginning to turn. They open pink. 
and then they ripen to an apricot color. And they're just at the verge of doing that now. They most have gone off to other people's homes because, you know, there's such a beautiful color in the spring. But the couple that I have now still... And they're those, those they same... just look beautiful. And they're those same dwarf rhododendrons that we're talking about. All right. Tough, enduring. Right. Okay, well, I'll look forward to seeing you guys again next weekend. And if you'd Who'd like you see to, this weekend? I'm going to see about 100 people today. <laughs> I see. I know. Right. And also... Uh, if you want to be on our email list and get the uh, weekend blast of what's specials this week, uh, send us an email to landscapealaska at gmail, and we'll put you on the list. And looking forward to listening to talking to you again next week. And until then, this is Margaret Tharp and David Lenderm of Landscape Alaska, and we're wishing you all happy gardening.